everyone. Welcome to the AMT Tech Trends Podcast, where we discuss the latest manufacturing technology research and news. I am Benjamin Mose, the Director of Technology, and I'm here with... Stephen Lamarca, Technology Analyst. Steve, it's always a pleasure to see you again. It's good seeing you. And I'm not going to lie, you know, so you've had a lot going on. AMT's had a lot going on. Yeah. You just got back last week from vacation. That's right. And... You came back, hit the ground running, <laughs> and then delivered that intro perfectly. I tried. Like, no garbled <laughs> words whatsoever. Smooth. No hiccups. It was incredible. For one sentence, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just laid it down. <laughs> and I think coming back from uh, vacation, and uh, so I had a, a committee meeting yesterday also, so doing yeah. a little bit of travel up to Rochester, which is cool to see. I haven't been to... Oh, so you actually went. Yeah. I thought you took it from home. No, no, no. We had an in-person meeting, nice. uh, which felt great. Uh, we had very good turnout. Uh, we had to follow the local uh, COVID precaution rules, which worked out great. Um, They're very clear and easy to follow. Nice. Um, and being in uh, downtown Rochester was great. I haven't been. So I previously worked in between Rochester and Phelps for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So I'd drive up there and never really went into the city that often. But uh, the area that we're in had a lot of character, a lot nice. of... Uh, Interesting places to visit. A lot of charm. A lot of charm. I guess that's the, what people would say if they like that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I had a little bit of time in between um, uh, our committee ending and going to the airport. So I was able to drive around, check in the sites a little bit. Sick. So it was fun. Steve, what are we here to talk about, man? All right. Um, we are here to talk about, well, first, you know, my segue into my first article was going to be in the process of selling my motorcycle. Yep. Uh, I've got some, it's had some interest. I've had some people over to look at it and, uh, you know, I've had to turn down some offers, but, but mostly I've, I've got a lot of interest and I've got two prospective buyers lined up one for today and one for November 1st, but I'm looking to get a new bike. Okay. Um, and I'm very excited about it. Yep. Uh, I'm actually going to get one that's a little bigger than I had planned <laughs> engine wise. Fortunately, it's still really lightweight, but, uh, and you know, I, I, I finished, talking to my insurance provider and my inter- my insurance is actually going down. Wow, that's strange. Which is crazy because I spend, I won't get into what I spend, but I, I'm going to be spending about 15% less than I was. That's cool. For, for Even though I'm going from a 400cc to essentially a liter bike, <laughs> which is insane. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's cool because I've, this is I've never been able to say this before, at sure. least since I've had a license, but I've been free of tickets for the last three years. <laughs> um, Are you worried going forward? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, I feel like it's got to happen again eventually, but it hasn't yet. Yeah, I have to thank the the pandemic a little bit for that because I've been driving more, but also less. And there's okay. been less people on the road. Yeah, um, that's yeah. Uh I haven't had to drive, which is the thing. Okay. So I've only driven if I've actually wanted to wanted to sure. or ridden the motorcycle yep. for that matter. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I've been it's been great. I've I I've also actually even though I don't plan on selling my car, went on Carvana mm-hmm. and just to see because I've been hearing from a lot of my friends that dude Carvana's offering like insane amount of money like right now for your car just because of this chip shortage. Oh, that's and cool. And so it's actually reflected my asking price for my motorcycle, too. So it's right now is the time to sell and get a new bike, because fortunately, um, even though there are less 
new motorcycles on dealership lots right uh they can they can still order them for you that's cool and a lot of the the dealerships are willing to honor msrp prices or lower because they still need to keep people fed and uh (laughs) move metal (laughs) so it's 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 really fortunate for the motorcycle market right absolutely now. um but going into that that goes into my first article from reuters cat yep. actually posted it to our industry news channel this morning um hyundai motor aims to develop chips to cut reliance on chip makers that's cool and i think this is so cool because we we heard a couple months ago from toyota that toyota didn't see the chip shortage coming right but they were a plan for it correct and they're similar to Hyundai in that they have a plan to prevent any chip shortage from ever affecting them again. Right. So Toyota's making out pretty well and Hyundai will be too next time. Um, but that's where the similarities end right. with the two companies. They take where, different strategies. Yeah, they okay. have different strategies, different plans where Toyota, I believe their plan is to just hoard as much silicon as possible <laughs> um, and keep their chips backwards compatible. Sure. Or rather, they try to future proof their designs. Right. Um, and they have less and more simul- simultaneously in terms of the features that they need for their chips, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Hyundai is like, no, we're never going to rely on other people again. So we've seen Hyundai do this in the past with robotics. Right. They're like, yeah, we're doing our own robots right now. Yep. Wait, we're not going to buy industrial robot arms from other manufacturers. They closed their last their final deal, I think, at the end of last year with Kuka Robotics. They were the last robots they bought from. Um, Now they're making their own arms Mm -hmm. in-house for their use, and they'll be selling them to people who want them, of course. Um, And uh, a couple months ago or earlier this year, they bought Boston Dynamics. So they're going full steam ahead with making their own robots and they figured why stop there (laughs) now they're going to be making their own chips too yeah and this is cool because there's a lot of you know problems like this sure you know usually end up yielding some awesome developments right so i think was it porsche Porsche also has a solution for cutting down on uh, chip shortages, I believe. Okay. You know, they're insanely in- innovative. They are. But um, their whole thing is, yeah, we're going to stop using silicon. <laughs> they want to look to other materials for their chips. And I was like, that's awesome. That's that's great. I love material science. Absolutely. So Those wacky Germans. I think, I think that's Porsche. I mean, we'll, we'll just say it is. We'll, we'll leave it at that. So, you know, that's interesting that for them to grow their uh, vertical, uh, their integration more vertically. And yeah. That's, that's not a small move. Gr- creating a, it's not. the design and fabrication for uh those chips oh that's that's a, a steep investment but yeah i mean they've been on a buying spree recently so they have the capital to do it but i mean in an industry especially in an automotive in the automotive industry where everybody is i don't want to use the word outsourcing because outsourcing is usually associated as a bad word sure um but everybody's working together for a similar product right um nobody's fully in-house anymore correct correct seemingly and i like to use in-house is actually a good word so it's cool Mm -hmm. when people do aim for in-house but like you know on the example of like uh, with american cars and mostly american car buyers they're like be american buy american it's like dude your car is not american (laughs) i mean i think the most 
American vehicle that you can buy in the States is either a, 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 any Subaru. Right. Because, well, ex- with exception to the sports car, the BRZ. Right. Uh, that, that is actually made in Japan. But most Subarus sold in America are made in South Carolina. And the same with BMW SUVs. Right. They're made. In- They're fully made in South Carolina. They yep. may get some German parts in. But, you know, you look at uh american automakers they get sure they might be assembled in the u.s but the parts are from all over the world right yeah. and to say that it is an american product is now i wonder if uh hyundai's uh impact so on most of my cars which mostly been german cars they use bosch ecus and um, right. there's a bunch of other uh, uh chips that are required throughout the entire car but i'm wondering if they're also the strategy is to create their own ecus and you know, move away from, you know, common platforms like that. And I'm wondering how that cascades to the rest of the industry. It'll it'll probably start with making their own ECUs, because yeah. I think that's where the majority of the chips they need are for. Sure. And the, the, the engine control. Probably units. This, uh, autonomous driving also. Um, and then other things like I think transmissions have their own mm, the automatic, computer yeah. units now, yeah. too. Um, um, I know. So like uh, the big difference between like Japanese and um uh, German automakers is, is, is Germans use Bosch right. for a lot of their stuff, and the Japanese use Denso, which is mostly that. owned right. by Toyota. So, right. if, like your Honda has Denso <laughs> parts in it, yeah, it's got Toyota parts yeah. in it. So to say that like your brand loyal to one thing, no, yeah. you're not. You but, can't be. But like, yeah, uh, uh, the MSF or not MSF, the MAF mass airflow sensors. Yeah, yeah. you know that's a chip right there. <laughs> sure. It's cool. Of, it's cool that it's they're cool. trying to yeah. go in-house we'll, with their shit. We'll check back in a couple of years, see how they're doing. And you know, to give them credit, uh, you look at the watch industry, going as fully in-house as possible is, that's a luxury feature to said luxury good. We'll see in 15 years if they outsource it again. I see these cycles happen pretty often, so we'll I, 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 I have not witnessed that. I mean, maybe I've been around for it, but yep. um, um, I think I, that seems accurate yeah i feel like it it ebbs and flows i've seen that uh quite a bit in aerospace so okay you know uh integrator wow. will bring in a bunch of stuff so i was uh, in a lower tier where we would lose some machining um uh, demand we'll lose some welding fabrication demand and then seven years later then all of it floods back out when they realize that you know the market uh, <laughs> uh has some room and the prices are lower so it all depends on the purchasing guy that's interested and he's going to do the price comparison if he could purchase it outside cheaper which kind of ebbs and flows to the market demand or market pricing so we'll see awesome i got one on carvera not cars it's a new desktop uh desktop mill we'll call it a mill for now yes so the reason i yes. like this is it has some really interesting features and you know our idea of a desktop factory yeah uh, this is another really cool integration point where it has a lot of capability built into this. So, okay. First off, capability built into it. First, off, I want to know. You got to go go with the specs for me. Yeah, I want to absolutely. know how it stacks up against our Pocket NC. So, size wise, it's very similar. Okay. Uh, base model is three axis. Okay. So we're lo- losing a little bit there compared to the uh, Pocket it, NC. It's two axis down, but you said a fourth axis there's, is an option. There's an optional fourth axis. Cool. Uh, where we start to see the separation is. This has a ability to uh, add a two and a half watt laser. So it can do a laser cutting. It as can well. do laser cutting. Engraving. Oh, man, that's sick. And uh, engraving. And the biggest thing is it's got an automatic tool changer. Oh, my God. <laughs> magazine or turret? Uh, more like, I guess you could call it magazine. It's not 
the the tools are stationary. Okay. So, so similar to like a, a CMM probe tool change where they have it lined up and then the pro the uh, head comes over and picks it up. Okay. Almost then, like an arm, but exactly. not an arm. Exactly. So yeah. the tools are on the side of the of the bed and it moves over and picks up the uh I would consider that a magazine. Sure, more we'll call than it a magazine. turret. Yeah. Because it's not rotating. It's not moving. Right, right. It's but, stationary. I mean, we've got... So now this is the closest to an industrial machine that you're... Other than the laser, right? You could say this... There's more... It has more automation than the Pocket NC. A lot more What's automation. What's the spindle speed? It can go up to 15,000 RPMs. Is that direct drive electric motor? I think it's or, direct drive. It's okay. not uh, air-powered assisted. Okay. Because I know that was an option when we were looking to upgrade our Pocket NC to the right. V2. There's two versions of the version 2. <laughs> um, there's the V2-10 which is the, the conventional pocket NC's yep. max spindle speed of 10,000 RPM. And then there's the V2-50, which I originally wanted real bad um, because it has a max spindle speed of 50,000 RPM, which right. would, is insane That's on a, you know, an office ready or office friendly <laughs> desktop machine tool, CNC yeah. machine tool. And then I found out, then they told me, uh, oh, yeah, you need an industrial grade air compressor for this. And I was like, <laughs> who has that in their office space? <laughs> that's a that's a bit of a whammy. This yeah. giant four foot compressor yeah. next to your desk. <laughs> and, you know, we're trying to keep the um, the we could probably get one on the test bed. Sure, sure. But I don't know what it would require to run a a uh, what, what kind of. Inputs you would yeah. need is it electric driven? Do it's, you need gas? No, no. Most of those are electric driven. You might be able to get volume with one ten. Uh, yeah. It all depends on the the flow rate. But I mean, my if, point my point is it would hamper the yeah. mobility yeah. of the test bed, yeah. and that's one of the things that we need. Now, if you're a shop in your experiment, if you got a little test bed, you, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, but. Let's get back to this cool little guy. And it's yes. It's, tell it's, us more. I think it's starting. So it's a Kickstarter. So let's be three thousand transparent about that's that. That's great. But ask for three thousand bucks for the to buy in on this Kickstarter. That's for awesome. one unit. So and fifteen thousand RPM. So as far as we know, RPM direct drive. Yep. Um, that's great. That's a lot for and pocket. Hey, don't not Kickstarter. That's where Pocket NC started. Yeah, yeah. That's where our uh, collaborative robot started. The yep. U Arm was on Kickstarter as well, and then they showed up at CES the year <laughs> I didn't go. Um, so no, that's great. I uh, I'm looking forward to see them. I think this could be our. Uh, we should compare our options for our replacement for next year with this guy. Yeah. So. It's I thought no, that was great. There's I, so much familiarity that I already have, though, with the pocket NC. We're going through all of the problems and questions that I would assume a machine shop goes through when they want to acquire a new piece absolutely. of equipment. So, I mean, we'll do a write up of oops. this. <laughs> We're effectively meeting the goal, one of the initial goals of creating the test bed. Yep. How accurately can we mimic real, real problems, <laughs> production problems? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. What you got for the next article, Steve? Next article. We're going fun again because, you know, we've already talked about cars and watches. Yep. You know, getting as off topic as possible, <laughs> but still trying to talk about manufacturing technology. Let's talk about guns. <laughs> so Futurism. Futurism posted an article, um, you know, and it's been known that uh, they, they posted an article about the robot dogs, not right. specifically spot by Boston Dynamics, but um you know, they've had article, multiple news uh, fronts have uh, had articles saying how I don't want to use uh, creepy, but um, um, what was the word I said before we started recording? <laughs> Darn. 
uh, undesirable, I guess, uh, unsettling. That's right, it. Right. How unsettling uh, the robot dogs can be or just, you know, hu- humanoid robots in general in some cases, unless it's the adorable pepper by SoftBank. <laughs> um, but uh, as if as if they weren't unsettling enough. Yep. Futurism reports that, uh oh, they strapped a sniper rifle to a robot dog. <laughs> so I wish that was just a joke, but that's really real. It's real. Um, I should have looked further into it to see if it was Australia, because this seems like an Australia <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. But uh, but I know when I posted this to our industry news channel, um, and this actually came through on Tech Trends. I didn't yeah. just see this in my own feed. So Tech Trends picked this one up. So yay. Um <laughs> One of the first comments we got in the the Slack channel for industry news was from our colleague Ed, yeah. and he said he's, his first comment is, "Oh, it's in six point five Greenmore." <laughs> never mind, there's a firearm strapped ne- to it. Never mind, we've we've they've strapped a firearm, a sniper <laughs> rifle to uh, the already unsettling robot dog, but. Uh, He's he's commented that it is, yes, in 6.5 Creedmoor, which is, to be fair, uh, just as futuristic as the robot dog and uh, autonomous warfighters are. um, The 6.5 Creedmoor is a very futuristic cartridge, even though it came out a while ago. It's only in the past few years. It's just started getting uh, popular. Right. Um, There's quite the um, um, caliber revolution going on. now. Yeah, there is. If you guys buy a strength, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I think I can leave it there. I have much more to say, but let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. This podcast will run on for hours if we get into that topic. And I think we're doing great on time right now, too. We don't Maybe. have the clock up, but we'll see. I received that one. Uh, I have a, one article on additive. Not too much additive stuff today. Do we talk about additive? Did, I don't think. No, we didn't. Did. So uh, medical industry, they've fully embraced 3D printing and additive manufacturing. And I think most of the industry, most of our listeners are used to you know, plastics and um, uh, metallic printing. Yeah. Uh, This article talks about some of the advancements in medical 3D printing. And there's two really interesting ones that kind of stuck out. One is um, new antibacterial compound for 3D printing. Um, So why that's useful is that, you know, you you don't want to print something in somebody's body that's going to fester. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) The actual process of putting the device in the body, that's prone for a lot of infection, a lot of issues. So, it ends up that the devices are, f- are fine, but it's infection that putting the device in the body that causes issues. So being able to uh, use uh, silver-based antibacterial oh, compounds cool. um, in the production phase is fantastic. So, you know, further mitigating the risk of, I've got this foreign object in my body, let's attack it. And well, no, it's it's fairly clean and it's yeah. it actually helps the body in case of the other infections that are uh, prevalent from that um, process. So it's that, cool how anti how how a lot of conventional metals like not modern alloys. We love talking about our, you know, modern specialty alloys that yeah. are created for, you know, whichever industry or manufacturing technology. But it's really cool how a lot of old school metals have antibacterial properties. Like yeah. like I love looking at old buildings um and like old government buildings right. you see like brass doorknobs and handrails and yeah brass looks nice it has that gold hue to it so it looks very luxurious um and fancy but uh some architect may have been uh um never mind doesn't matter um but like one uh, somebody pointed out to me he's like oh yeah they used to use brass all the time Mm -hmm. in um architecture for uh for 
doorknobs and handrails and such because brass is antibacterial yep. after somebody touches it even if they have germs all over their hand which virtually everybody <laughs> does um you know after they touch it it takes the brass four hours to kill all the bacteria That's on cool. it yeah and so that was like the primary uh, not you know everybody thinks it's oh it's so ornate and, right, right. and old so there's actually old a purpose building. behind it but they did that it, because it was antibacterial. Yeah, that's fascinating. And the last uh, point from uh, today's medical development uh, website is uh, print sensors directly on moving organs and other accessible prosthetic arms. Cool. So I was like, that's fascinating. I don't know how you do that. So they're printing like hydro-based gel sensors on organs like lungs and things like that. So it was one printing, just printing on moving objects, but now you're printing sensors. So like this is way beyond me. So this is... This is fairly Star Trek E. How many news? years? How many years before you'll be able to connect to your body to, with your phone via Bluetooth? <laughs> well, I mean, we're pretty close with external sensors. Yeah, I would say it, I would say we're not that far away. I think the battery issue. I think twenty thirty. I mean, what's that? Nine years from now? Wow, that yeah. seems like far away. <laughs> How old will we be in twenty thirty, Steve? I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last article I, I've got is on uh, metrology from Quality Magazine. Oh, cool. They're talking about gauging software's changing role in manufacturing. And the biggest takeaway here is that, um, you know, with uh, obviously digital manufacturing has grown significantly. So being able to harvest data from uh, uh, machine equipment, machine tools, um, and store it and use that data intelligently. Uh, obviously, that's cascading across all the other devices and processes. So things like QIF, the quality information framework, yes. where you can, which standardize some of the data coming out of uh, metrology. And this is kind of an extension of that. So it talks about uh, digital gauging uh, involving software to capture and process digital measurements um, and the growth of that they've seen in the past you know, two decades, which, to be fair, in the past 20 years, manufacturing has gone through a huge revolution, evolution of you know, tools and, uh, yeah. and processes. Um, and the biggest thing that they're looking at here is you know, uh, selecting measurement uh, and inspection software that's based on the CAD platform, uh, interoperability from you know your inspection equipment back to uh, a way to process and visualize that data. Um, so it's going far beyond than just capturing. So it's applying, you know, you're not just looking at spreadsheets anymore, right? You have a visual representation of the data and where it relates to the part. So you have significantly more context. So you can uh, you know apply that information uh, better and easier. Um, and where this allows us to is get into model-based design or model-based um, enterprise strategies. Uh, so if you're, you know, your core model is a, if your core data set is your CAD model, being able to connect everything back to your, that one uh, core model, uh, you know, allows you to see your life cycle of your parts significantly different. So I thought it was a very interesting look that, hey, quality is not that far behind us. You know, I think we kind of downplay right. quality, metrology, and, um, you know, the, the, we'll call it the back end of the process, but yeah. it's adding significantly more value upstream now. Well, it, it's cool that this brings to the foreground what's going on in the background right. in terms of metrology, because you know, there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot going on and there's a lot that's developed in the past decade. There's a lot that's that's happened in the last five years since we started the test bed. Right. Um, you know, integrated metrology. It's like one of our, favorite things to talk about on this podcast other yep. than off topic things. <laughs> um, and it's just, this is cool because this article brings to light 
how they're making integrated metrology happen. Right. You know, how to avoid sending your parts to inspection. Just have it done right there on the machine. (laughs) So that was a great, uh, great article from Colin Mag. So uh, great topics all around. Steve, very happy coming. This was a great episode. I feel like it flew by. Very creepy on the uh, firearm enabled dog. Eh, But there'll be more of that. Maybe we'll see laser guns on them. <laughs> Let's not go too far. Where can they All find right. more info about us, Steve? Before I get it, because I'd love to tell you where our listeners can find more info on us. Um, just want to highlight and kind of sneak peek. Next episode that we do. Yep. We're going to have a third person. Oh, yeah. Russ is coming back. Nice. The the managing director of the MT Connect Institute, um, Russ Waddell will be joining us on the next episode. He wants to talk about, you know, not what well, recent developments in MT Connect and what's been going on on his side of the industry for like the past year. Because it's cool. been a while since we've talked to him. Yep. And uh, full disclosure, you know, I'm in a, a chat group with him and Sharab. Mm-hmm. And every now and then he uh, he'll uh, hit us with some cool facts or some recent developments in the MT connect world. And I'll be like, dude, AMT news or exhibitions. They need to get on this. This yeah. is incredible yeah. content. Right. And he'll just leave it at that. Like, like a couple, <laughs> like six months ago or more, uh, he sent Sharb and I a German, uh, it was in German, mm-hmm. um, uh, not job offer, but, uh, request to fill a position. Sure. It was a German formula one team <laughs> looking for a manufacturing engineer who knows MT connect. Wow. Who is who is uh, has used MT Connect in the past, and it's like, this is awesome. We yep. need to like like report on this. <laughs> and of course, that's months ago now. Sure. So the job yeah. has either been filled or they're not looking for the person anymore. Yep. And also, he's he also uh, hits us up with uh, information on which companies that people drool about, like Tesla, SpaceX, right. uh, etc. Um, NASA mm-hmm. are like he monitors who's downloading the standard. Yeah. Those companies have had like, you know, in the tens of numbers of downloads by individual people working for those organizations, those companies That's cool. uh, downloading the standard. So it's like, yeah, we need to talk about this. We need to we need to get you on yeah. and um, we need to get some of this stuff in actual written articles, too. That's cool. I'm but, excited. But the first step was let's get him on the next episode. Sounds good. So that's the plan for the next episode. If you don't yeah. want to miss that, join us next time. If you want to see everything. Uh, that we've done so far news related and some previous episodes of ours go to amtonline.org slash resources and you'll find it all there subscribe to the weekly tech report newsletter awesome thanks Dave. thank you ben have a good one everybody bye everyone